Hello, and welcome to a brand new season of Pagan Gumbo Podcast, where your hosts, Seamus, Michael, Lisa, and I'm Forrest. Thanks for joining us as we embark on a mission to explore the many facets of pantheism, nature-based spirituality, philosophy, and magic. This is, of course, an ongoing and evolving discussion with infinite room for growth. We welcome your comments and questions at info at pagangumbo.com. This episode, we're looking at primary influences, the books that made their mark on us as pagans, our early experience with spell work, and people who helped to light up each of our personal paths. And I turn the mic over to Seamus. How you doing? I'm good. Good. So, uh... We made it through the holidays. We're ready for a brand new season. By the skin of our teeth. Yes. It was It was pretty blustery here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, but uh, we're alive, and we have a balmy 40 degrees outside today. You'll get used to it. <laughs> I hope so. So, uh... Your earliest influences, what, what were some of the books that, uh, that influenced you, that, that caused you to pursue this path of paganism? I think it's the, the, the normal, as the uh, furnace kicks on in the balmy 40-degree weather, <laughs> the, the normal um, array of books that I think so many people picked up at the uh, the local bookstore, Cunningham, um, Solitary Practitioner was one of the early ones, Buckland's Big Blue, I remember uh, at some point. Um, I think the first book I, I, ever, I ever got was uh, the Big Purple Kaleidoscope book for gemstones. Oh yes, uh, love is the earth, or something. Love is in the earth. Love it's is a in the earth. Melody. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was like one of the first, and it was it was actually for a non-related, non-pagan um, reason, um, but it introduced me to the metaphysical section at the local bookstore, mm. and then from there I kept going back and. Um, I think the first actual pagan book I bought, I'm ashamed to say, um, was a really badly written um, book on Celtic magic. But um, it had a good list of gods and goddesses, and it had some uh, some of the normal formats that you use in, in ritual, and it got me started. But uh, I, I think the big ones that influenced me were uh, Neo-Pagan Rites, I think it is, from uh, Isaac Bonowitz and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the normal, <coughs> excuse me, the normal array of Druid books. Um, Skip, uh, The Solitary Druid, John Michael Greer, um, trying to think of who else in that vein, um, but... Ian, Ian Corrigan, obviously, all of his book, he's kind of the, uh, the writer of uh, modern-day Druidry and, and as far as liturgy goes. So those were the probably the ones that influenced me a lot. What was the hook for you? What really, what, what about those books or any one of those books in particular really, like, 
made you feel like this was something to pursue further? To me, it was a callback to, to uh, junior high and even before. Growing up, uh, my grandfather's mother was full-blooded Native American, so he knew a lot of what you would call Native American spirituality, I guess. So taking long walks in the woods with him and him pointing out different herbs and trees and roots and what they did and why, um, and, and understanding God and his nature and nature is God, and then um, exploring myths as we do in um, junior high and stuff like that. And then it was just a callback to all those things that felt like coming home. Mm, very cool. All right, Michael, what about you? Well, I read a lot of those same books. Honestly. I'm sure. <laughs> um, there, there was only so much you could find in the New Age section at Walden Books. Mm. Remember that place. <laughs> um, or Borders. <laughs> remember that place or Barnes and Noble which is surprisingly still around yeah, mine was media play yeah exactly media play wow but you know the the interesting thing is a lot of those books Cunningham and DJ Conway some Ravenwolf who I actually never read but was contemporaneous to those authors mm -hmm. um, all of them even though they they were books that I purchased and that I took home and that I read, they didn't have a deep impact, I don't think, on my spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that fairly early on, um, I got involved in the Pagan Student Association here at Ohio State. Um, I then got involved in ADF, and I found better books in a lot of cases. Um, but the book that really stands out to me, and that is still out there, and that I would, I recommend it to every person who comes into the shop and says, hey, I need a beginner book. Um, and that's Kaiser Seraph's uh, A Book of Pagan Prayer. Um, it's a little green book, not very big. Um, but it doesn't waste a lot of time trying to get to the, the popular notion of paganism so much as it spends its time providing a, a, an outline, really, of how to do the work. It's not a cookbook for spells. But it is kind of a cookbook for prayer and a cookbook for ritual and a cookbook for the, the kinds of things that you would expect to learn going into a religion. Um, and it's easy for a beginner to use because it's a long list of different prayers for different things. So there's a prayer in there for, um, you know, death. And there's a prayer for um, birth, and there's a there's there's prayer for times of life, and and all these kinds of things. So there's there's stuff you can use immediately, but there's also a very long discussion in the introduction about how to write your own, how to do your own work, and why. It's not just about 
this is the formula. It's this is why we have the formula, and that's what I really like mm -hmm. about Kai's books, um, and that's why I recommend them because they are such good foundational work, and they are the things that really had a deep, deep impact on me as a baby pagan, as a young young man. Um, and well, I, really I think like they it. help you find your voice a lot easier when you have that, and and you know, Kai does a great job of explaining the whys, like yes. you said. So you're not just um, copying a recipe and putting your own words in, but he's really exploring um, the why it's important for you to find your own voice. Yeah, it is an excellent book, and he's got a, a second book. It's got a red cover. It's called uh, a book of um, pagan ritual. I think it is. Yeah. Pagan Ritual Prayer Book, I think is what it's called. Yeah. I'd have to have it in front of me to see it, but we'll put in the shot the show notes what the actual title is. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's also very good, and it, it unlike the the a Book of Bacon Prayer, which has prayers for times of life and and things like that, this one has prayers for parts of ritual. Right. And again, it tells you how to write your own and things like that. So it doesn't try and lock you into a voice. It helps you develop yours. That's very cool. And for people like me who aren't familiar with Kai, um, how how do we go about finding the author's name in full? And I mean, we we carry the books here at the Magical Church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're they're um, published we'll by Redwill uh, Wiser. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and we'll put them in the show notes. Is um, it just the one word Kai? Yeah. Uh, it's Kai's word. Kaiser uh, Serif. Kaiser Serif. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's difficult to pronounce and it say. It's um, probably Gaelic, Gaelic for Bob Smith or yeah, something. I'm, I'm reasonably <laughs> certain that I've got the pronunciation correct there. Kai will, I'm sure, we'll correct me if I'm shows. wrong because yeah. I'll shoot him a note and say, hey, we talked about your book. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope we said that correctly. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. All right, Lisa. What were your influences? Um, well, as far as specifically for paganism, it would be the first one I bought ever was Scott Cunningham's Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Um, I had seen the word Wicca in an article. Uh, one of my soap opera actresses was talking about being Wiccan. And the way she talked about it, I was like, well, that sounds interesting. So... I researched it a bit and found that particular book, and I think I might have actually bought it at Salem West, an old, mm. uh, uh, older shop that's no longer in existence up here. I don't think I got it at a traditional bookstore. I think I got it at an occult store. But either way, um, I really like it. I mean, it was basically a cookbook for ritual, a cookbook for being a Wiccan and stuff, but it had this very unassuming... Um, you're not doing it wrong sense about it. Like, here's some ideas for how to do things. Here's a script that you can use, but you don't have to use. There was no way at the time, this was the early 1990s, so there wasn't any obvious ways to get in touch with anybody else. The internet was still in its infancy. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm that old. Um, and so there was a, it was hard to find any kind of resources so, I mean, and like Mike said, there was like a handful of books out there anyway. So, not the, the breadth that we have today. Um, and I still use some of the 
he had a section on there on, on doing ritual with gesture. And so I still use some of those gestures. Um, even though I'm more into druidry now, I still, when the need arises or the mood strikes, can cast the circle and call the quarters. And I use the same thing I learned just mm-hmm. from that book. And I've also used this notion of gestures, doing ritual via gesture um, in my ADF work and in my daily devotionals. If I'm someplace where I don't want to speak out loud because somebody's sleeping or I just don't feel like it, um, with a lot of intent, you can do the same thing with gesture. And I got, got that from that book. So that would be that would be the pagan influence, the obvious pagan influence. But then I think the book that really had the most profound effect was a book I got when I was a child checking things out of the library. And it's, um, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of the name, but it's Dallaire's Greek Myths. It was a book probably for 10, 12-year-olds, I think, reading level, and had some art, but it had a telling of the Greek myths in a type of language that somebody at that age could understand. And I used to check it out all the time. I wonder if it was the same one that I used to check out all the time. Quite possibly. They have one on Norse Norse Myths too, and I never saw that one. And I would love, I finally got a copy of Greek Myths a little, a few years ago from like Half Price Books. And I keep looking for the Norse Myth one. But um, they, uh, the interesting thing about that is I remember while I was reading it, often outside sitting in a tree, but while I was reading it, I it struck me that the, the stories were a lot like the stories I was learning in Sunday school. They are about, you know, what's right and wrong and what role the gods have. And I remember thinking at that age, that must be how folks at that time period saw God. Mm-hmm. You know, which at the time was probably, and I didn't share with anybody because I thought that that would be seen as horribly blasphemous, but at the same time, I thought, well, maybe they just didn't know in my not being exposed to a lot of other things. I'm like, well, maybe they just saw God as many gods rather than one God, and they just didn't know he was only one God until you know later. And then, but thinking back on it, Noah, that's exactly what they saw. They only they saw divinity as multiple gods, and there was you know, nothing very different about that. So I think that actually probably had a bigger effect. And then um, I had a subscription to Ranger Rick magazine, um, which is not a book, but it was all about being environmentalist. And um, at a very, in the 70s and 80s, in the 70s, when I was having, this was a a book for kids or a magazine for kids, I wanted to recycle. I wanted my parents to start recycling. Of course, they're like, what? We don't, what? What is recycling? Um, so Ranger Rick and Dollar's Greek Myth are my two big pagan influences. That's really cool. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, I also was really heavily influenced by Melody's Big Purple Book. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the early occult stores that I worked in, although this particular store would probably more accurately be called a, a new age store. It was very angel heavy, very crystal heavy. Um, but learning about the stones and, and their effects were, that was so much fun for me. I mean, I think from, from a tiny little, little, little kid, I was very into, you know, sparkly things and things, you know, 
rubies and gems, oh my. But the, the notion that they could also have these healing properties and these metaphysical properties to me was just like headkin. Later on, I know for sure that one of the most influential um, books that kind of created a pivot for me in, in my magical practice was uh, Stephen Forrest's The Inner Sky. Mm-hmm. And I still use it for every single astrology course that I teach because to me it really is the quintessential user-friendly book on um, at least evolutionary astrology and a, a way to approach the classical gods in, um, in their planetary form and uh, look at ways in which the science and, and the art of astrology applies to magic and applies to paganism, applies to a general perspective on life, the universe and everything, so to speak. Um, and when uh, I, I finally got unscared enough to study astrology seriously, because it's, it's very intimidating, <laughs> but once I decided to dive in and got that book, it was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't so scary at all. And he does a great job of making it very user-friendly and almost poetic in, in parts. Very human, you know, where mm-hmm. each, each planet is addressed as a human function. Each sign is addressed as a um, life experience. And each house is addressed as an area of life in which we have these experiences and the different forms that they take and so on. So it was very um, empowering to read that and say, okay, these, these mythologies that we look to and have so much power for us, they have power for us because of this relationship that we have not only to the rest of our world but to the universe Mm. and so this is a a really great way to kind of address that reflection of all that is and the universe within so that was a a big deal Uh, i also had a really great time going through and continue to go through Catherine ironwood's um, hoodoo and, oh, and sure, Conjure, but the, sure. big, the big green book is very much a good book and, or an encyclopedia I guess because it, it um, gives so many of the American folk magic uses for roots, herbs mm-hmm. and other some, some items that aren't necessarily savory um, but it was really eye-opening and it, it helped me understand that magic didn't have to be so formal. That was, I think, the first time I really conceived of magic as something that you could really do by throwing open your kitchen cabinet, seeing what you have, and doing what you could. Um, And I liked how it rooted magic in in a much less formal and ethereal and kind of stuffy form and brought it back down into into the home. Right. Uh, made it comfy. So I'd say those are two big influences. First ones that come to mind anyway. I think we probably have a, a huge list. I mean, I, I'm just sitting here listening. You guys thinking I didn't talk about Pax and I didn't talk about so many other Those people. would have been later. For they would have been later, but they're, you know, as an influential book. Um, and then 
all the stuff that you read that's not really pagan, but the Celtic myths books, the the, the Ranger Rick uh, subscription has <laughs> remind me of the Boy Scout handbook. The, the Boy Scout, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that it's, it's layer upon layer. I think that you. Uh, well, I think what's interesting is that our earliest influences, at least for the fe- people here, seem to sort of follow through to what we're particularly good at in our current practice. Um, I never read anything about rocks and minerals. So when people ask what kind of crystal would you use, I'm like, um, I'm the same way. that one, because I didn't have, that wasn't mm-hmm. my first entry into it. Whereas I might be better at mythology and, and deity kind of connections because that's where my, that's where I started. And so that's what I had the longest experience mm-hmm. with. Well, I think that's probably where we tend to do the, the heavy lifting too mm-hmm. is the things that we like is the, th- the ones we explore. I mean, I like the really boring Indo-European books too, and really getting into the uh, you know what, what they call them the, the dry Mallory books and the reason why we do what we do in ritual, and, but nobody outside of certain circles talks about those. Yeah, I think that that contributes to a, a really great diversity within the magical community. You know, you have different people good at different things and maybe less interested, so less capable in other areas. And then um, I think some of the most interesting contemporary developments in magic right now include things like postmodern, uh, not postmodern, what is it? It's uh, pop culture paganism. Sure. And that has just recently come onto my radar, and I just think it's one of the most fascinating ideas ever, you know. Let's talk about that, okay. but not now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go ahead and give the sponsors. Yes. And we'll wrap this one up as some of the first earliest influences, and we'll move on to some other things, and we'll get back to pulp. What was it? It was pop. pop culture, paganism, paganism yeah. and there is also postmodern shamanism. Oh, yeah. Um, so who who's this brought to us by? This episode was brought to you in part by Nui Cobalt Designs, purveyors of fine handcrafted talismans, oils, and magical sundries. Visit us at NuiCobaltDesigns.com to see the full collection and subscribe to our free weekly astrology report to keep up on what the sky has to say. Also brought to you by the Magical Druid Shop here in Columbus, Ohio, in whose basement we are working here on the banks of the Olentangy. (laughs) Find us online at MagicalDruid.com and for all of your ritual needs, and all of your magical work, we're here for you. And for those of you who don't know, that was a shout out to Keith Jackson, who passed away recently. Uh, so, uh, thank you, Michael. Of course. Uh, we'll wrap this one up. We'll talk to you guys with the next uh, episode. And until then, walk in balance, wisdom, and service. <laughs>